Welcome to Careers Explained, where we share career interviews with professionals in a wide range of roles to help you understand your career options, what job titles entail in a more detailed and personalized manner than job descriptions, and how you can pursue those roles. We also ask all of our guests for career advice, so you don't have to. Check out our website, careersexplained.org, where all of our content is linked and where you can request questions, jobs, and industries you'd like us to add to our content. If you're willing to be a guest and describe what you do, please reach out. In this interview, Grant Sheely will share what he does in his current role, how he got his role, and career advice he has learned. He received his bachelor's degree from Oberlin College in mathematics and physics with a minor in environmental studies. His work experience includes being a greenhouse gas inventory intern at Oberlin College, a sustainability coordinator at Vornado Realty Trust, and a project manager at McGran Associates. He is now a codes and policy project analyst at the New Buildings Institute. Welcome, Grant. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Can you start by telling us what you do in your current role? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm a project analyst for the New Buildings Institute. Um, and at the Business Institute, we write codes and policies for cities, states, municipalities on their energy codes and their building codes. Um, and so my role as a project analyst is to kind of help support those the kind of behind the scenes action needs to get done. So whether that be uh, producing the actual code language we're going to put into the code, which are things like electrification policies or um, improving the HRV ERB requirements, um, stuff like that. So I kind of help provide the either background information for that or I help kind of manage the project on a client level where we talk to the the department offices about what they need, what what's next, what accepts are, managing our subcontractors who are doing modeling, and uh, yeah, pretty good basis there. Thanks to that overview, can you elaborate on how those different roles kind of map on to a typical day or week of your schedule? Yeah, absolutely. So there are many projects, there are many different states and cities that need our help. And so I think it's kind of a, a balancing act between them. So a lot of my work is for New York State. I'm based in New York City and I'm very familiar with New York. I have lots of past experience here in New York. So I was kind of placed on this New York team. And so a lot of my time, I'd say 80% of it is spent working on the New York State Energy Code. Um, and so that is talking with NYSERDA, the New York State Energy Research and Development Agency quite an acronym, um, talking to them, yeah, talking to them every day about, you know, what, how the current modeling updates are looking, how, um, how their, their, the policy kind of bundles we put together, explaining what policy changes are going to be, um, done are looking to the department of state and so on. Um, and then I also am working with, uh, different RECI projects, R-E-C-I, which is Resilient Energy Code Implementation. That's a product from the DOE, uh, as part of their, um, Inflation Reduction Act, um, funding. And so we work with Connecticut, um, Louisiana, California, and Seattle. Those are the ones I'm on, but there are like every single state has one. And so those are also kind of mapping out those. And so we meet with the larger, those are really large product teams, like, 30, 40 different people on each team, which is from different companies, which is really exciting and fun to talk to those different people and see what they're talking about. And then, you know, we go to our different meeting, we go like, oh, Connecticut was saying that they're going to do this and maybe we should <laughs> over here. And so it's fun to 
have that kind of mixing and all these people talking. It's really, really fun, a very collaborative space. Okay, and then if on a general day, is your schedule typically pretty dynamic or do you have a routine throughout the week with those projects? Pretty dynamic, I would say. It's lots of kind of, I have my set meetings with our teams, you know, our weekly kind of check-ins and how project work's going. But then what I'm actually doing that week, I would say is pretty much decided like on Monday or Tuesday or maybe the Friday before. It's kind of what ad hoc work is needed, what support is, who's lacking support, who needs more support. Um, also kind of managing our deliverables, you know, making sure we have enough staff work on what needs to come next. So it is pretty dynamic. I, I would not say I do the same thing every week. Um, I would say it's changing frequently. <laughs> so then with that dynamic schedule, is there kind of how much typically are you working on how many projects at one time you mentioned the deliverables you're talking with different stakeholders different types of projects in a day or week can you give kind of how many things you're balancing at once mm. i think i'm balancing between three to four projects per week but i'm on eight total so i'm on eight different projects but some of them have really far away timelines or some of them can kind of be put on hold while different things are happening. I would say on a weekly basis, I'm dealing with three to four of those um, and kind of helping them. And I'm always dealing with New York. That's a that's a through line that I'm always on. But the rest of them, I'd say, yeah, I kind of I jump on or I jump off and um, they don't always need my support every day, every week. Very helpful. So then for those four to eight projects, you mentioned it's collaborative and sometimes you're talking to different stakeholders. Can you give a sense of what it looks like when you're doing these projects? Are you researching on your own? Are you on phone calls, in-person meetings? What, what does it look like in that regard? Mm, yeah, so with such a large group of people on each call, uh, we're on FaceTime, we're on FaceTime, we're on uh, Teams calls and <laughs> stuff like that. So we're on like a video conference. Uh, and I think those meetings really just to check in and then like post that check in it is a lot of internal research. So it's a lot of reading different research papers about the how these codes have affected other parts of the country, looking for their relations directly to our kind of region or climate zone, trying to kind of give that kind of background. But yeah, a lot of research. So a lot of my job is just reading. For example, I have one open right now. I was just reading <laughs> the uh, executive summary on reducing EV charging infrastructure cost. So, like, and that's what I'm now familiar with. So, like, I just, uh, it's, you know, we have questions that our stakeholders want to get answers to. We have background in code development and code kind of implementation. So, we'll go out and research those small elements and kind of report back to the larger team. Gotcha. So, first, you kind of talk with others, understand what you need to do, and then go carry that out on your own. Can you mm -hmm. give a rough average of percentage of your job that is doing that research independently, as you mentioned, versus in conversations with other people, what percent is more um, social versus alone? Ooh, I would say since I'm an analyst, it's probably 80% alone, 20% conversation, just because so much of what I do is the kind of getting the knowledge like gathering it yeah. myself and then reporting on it whereas I think that the kind of higher ups are doing a lot more conversing a lot more just kind of in meetings collaborating talking about what needs to be done who should be doing that and then they report back to me and they go hey did you did you learn about our values and I'm like yes I did and I got it <laughs> good to share everything you've learned and yes. then can you walk us through an example it could be hypothetical or real project in terms of when you get assigned 
the task? What types of things are you being asked? And how do you go about learning, whether that's through research papers and then sharing? Can you walk us through an example project? Sure. Yeah. Um, something we're typically something that happens a lot is methodologies for certain, let's say, like a cost effectiveness methodology. Um, so, for states and cities, when you typically kind of are implementing a new code, they want to know: Is it cost effective? Is it going to cost our builders more to do it? Is it going to cost them less? Are our building owners? Where does the cost burden lie? And so, when we get assigned a task like, what's the cost effectiveness of this thing? then I will be usually assigned on that role. Like, okay, look into what the methodology is currently written. Like go find on the state website or the federal website, go find their methodology report. So then I'll read that methodology report and kind of, kind of parse out what sections need to be done, um, how the analysis should be completed, what kind of discount rates they're looking for, what kind of energy utility rates, kind of pulling in the numbers, pulling in the calculations. Um, and then using that to either talk directly to a subcontractor who does energy modeling and uh, can kind of provide us with the fill in of those numbers, or if we don't have that, find a report that was done on the state for each of those measures and conduct that kind of methodology um, on like a draft kind of scale and then report back and say, you know, our initial findings, we would say that this is going to be cost effective or it's not going to be cost effective. Um, and here are the reasons why. Here are the, the issue areas. Here's where there's a lot of cost. Um, I would say that's a pretty typical uh, task that would complete, at least recently. <laughs> that's a super helpful example. And you said the timelines vary for different deliverables. So what for that timeline example, how long would that typically take you? Um, that would be probably about a week and a half kind of timeline. So about a half a week to find the right resources, a week to kind of download them, understand them, and then like a few days to compile the results. But there were kind of larger ones like um, we recently had to compile a list of resources that are currently existing for resilience measures in building codes. So stuff like um, make sure there's backup generation for buildings so that when power lines go down, how long can the building survive on its own? And so we compiled a bunch of resources from DOE, from ICC, from um, I don't even know, a bunch of different places. And that took us like two weeks to like find all the resources, write a one sentence summary for all of them that could clearly detail. And then we went back and did more reviews because one of our bosses was like, you know what, we can give a bit more detail into what these resources are providing. So we reread them and pulled out new information. Um, so that could be a longer time. That was like a month timeline where we had like really were pulling all this stuff together. That's very helpful. And for these types of projects, it seems pretty technical. A lot of what you're doing. Can you talk about the training for this role? You were a math and physics major in college. Is that kind of standard in terms of the background you need to be able to answer these questions? Ooh, good question. I think I've come about it in a more uh, work experience kind of path i think so the typical kind of degree i see people having in my role is uh, a master's in city planning or a master's in urban design or something kind of along those lines a bit more of the policy oriented side which i don't really have any policy background i had an environmental studies minor but i did not have a, a major in that so i don't have that background um and i kind of come with my technical experience from my previous role so uh, a lot of my training was in my last role, I had been doing on-site kind of inspections of buildings, 
which involved some certifications that I had to go out and get. Um, Energy Star Multifamily new construction checklist inspectors stuff like that <laughs> like so crazy too, too crazy too specific um, no it's perfect because that would but, be relevant for those who are interested would you say that's kind of needed are there any prerequisites for you to get this job without that experience in other roles yeah so i'd say that if you I think the two ways you come about this role are, yeah, either having a master's in this kind of policy background and then having a job at some type of organization that's policy. You probably could get initially into here and be a product analyst as a for the cousin policy team with no no work experience, like necessarily, uh, if you had a policy background, a college experience. Because uh, I think we do have an intern right now that is just majoring in maybe civil engineering, um, but she doesn't have any experience in like policy stuff. So I think that you either have the policy background and you understand how codes work and how things get passed, which I don't know, or you have the technical experience like I have, which is can be built from either direct schooling or from a past job. And so I think there are some good prereqs like being a lead cert uh, accredited um, a lead accredited professional, a lead AP, which is the lead building certification. There's also Passive House, which uh, I am also accredited in. Then there's Energy Star Multifamily. These are kind of different energy, green building energy certifications that kind of qualifies your building being green. And if you understand how those are built out, if you understand what the details of those are, you'll be very well suited for this kind of role where we're kind of putting those things into building law or building code. Gotcha. And for those certifications, is that something that you would do on your own? Is there a cost mm -hmm. associated? What's the background around those certifications? Yeah, I would definitely recommend trying to get a role where they want you to have that and they're willing to help you kind of get that. So for the lead certification, if you want to go that pathway, which is a very common pathway, the first cost, the very first test, a lead, oh, what is it? Like a lead GA, a lead greed associate um that's like fifty dollars it's a test that's a 200 question multiple choice question test it's a 50 dollars test to take so that's like a pretty low cost big like time commitment of like studying for the test but it is pretty simple stuff um and so if you pass that then you can typically get a job where then they're going to be like okay great now we want to become a lead or credit professional which is like a 200 test and that my company had previously paid for and then the other ones passive house energy star and like the other lead ones those are those are high cost, a lot of time input and really makes sense as part of your role. So like a lot of it's like going to on-site inspections and having a certain hours doing that with your with someone else. And so that was my boss. And that like made so much sense. Like he was training me and I was also getting a certification to go do it by myself. And so I would recommend doing a route where you're not paying for yourself. It also make significantly less less sense because I don't even know how you would get access to a construction site if you didn't have a contract. With you know, you just show up. Hey, I'm doing training. Can I walk around? They might say yes. <laughs> they might be like, no. The odds are uh, more likely if you do it in the way that you recommended with yeah. a company already. And so. Yeah. Thank you for those overviews. Sounds like there's a few ways to get in. You can either have one of two realms, the policy or the technical, and then there's some ways to beef up your resume once you're maybe in a role and get those accreditations. Can you mm -hmm. talk about aspects you like about the role and find challenging? Definitely. Um, I really like the research element of the role. Like I really like reading these papers, digesting information, and kind of producing some some summaries uh, just because I feel like 
it's so interesting doing research. I don't know, maybe I'm just highly academic and I like reading things, but I really, it's been very fun. And that's not something I've had the opportunity to do in previous roles. I think a lot of like typical corporate kind of structure is not really, you don't really do too much. Sometimes you do research, but most of the time you're kind of doing invoicing and email responding and answering phone calls. And those are valuable skills that really help teach you how to be professional and those things. But the actual kind of getting the knowledge is not often part of the role. And this is so much of my time is devoted to reading. And like, I felt weird about even billing reading reports. And my boss was like, but that's what I asked you to do. I was like, oh, okay, no, that's, you're paying me for that. No problem, I will read that report. So, yes, yeah, yes, absolutely, sir, yeah. on it, I'm on my way. <laughs> Okay, and then challenges? Challenges, it can be hard to know like where to look for the information or even better, like it's challenging to be the person responsible for some of the change. This is a very impactful work where we're putting things into building code, which is essentially like a law that now buildings must follow. And so it feels like a lot when it's like, oh, Grant, like, can you figure out this is cost effective? And I'm like, I yes, I can definitely figure that out. I hope someone checks my work um, because I'm young and inexperienced. But like, yes, I, I know how to generally do that and I can help out. So I think that there's a lot of kind of impactful work that we're doing. And, and it, I found it challenging to balance like it's not necessarily imposter syndrome because I know I'm smart, but it is a bit of like I hope someone else is also looking at this because uh, I am new to this. It's consideration. You want to make sure that the good work you're doing is totally accurate, which is very, yes. uh, I'm sure, appreciated by those <laughs> being impacted. Yes. And so then with that kind of ambiguity in terms of sometimes where to look or the technical aspects you might not have a background in, what was the training like when you got this job? We know you had previous experience, but how do they teach you what you're doing? Totally. Yeah. So we've had a bunch of kind of monthly uh, what are we calling them? Monthly confabs, where the higher ups people have been there for a long time. This is a very small company. It's uh, 25 people now. We originally were 13 people. And so the 13 people that originally were there, they were really grinding and doing a lot of work and doing all this groundwork. And they're, you know, much older and much smarter. And I think that they've done a really good job of disseminating information in these monthly confabs. So we've had a confab about how building codes even work because you might think you understand but whoa they're complicated and there's all these different weird things going on so a uh, comp up about that we had a comp up about um our resources where we pull information from where you can find our latest and greatest on our building codes um then we had a comp up about kind of certain elements so uh, recycling policies. How should we be recycling? How do you even recycle as an individual? So we're all kind of up to date on when we're talking out externally about stuff, how to talk about that stuff. Um, we have one about uh, civil engineering kind of stuff, which is like related to us, but not like what we touch, but good to understand how does that work. Mm -hmm. So I think that through these kind of monthly webinars, we've been slowly getting information. And then there was a kind of a, some small trainings about like on YouTube and stuff about general green building practices, which for me, with a highly technical background, was mostly review. I, I knew that stuff from my previous roles, but some of the other people I've talked to, they were like, I've never heard of, you know, our values or you values or whatever it was. So it there was a, a good basis about what kind of green building information we're talking about, which has been great. Make sure that everyone's on the same playing field once you're all in there, even out yeah. any discrepancies in background. 
Great. And then when you are looking into these roles, you've had some kind of similar experience in the past, but how did you get from that math and physics major to this role now? Totally. Uh, I think it makes sense to kind of walk through each of those, That if, like, yeah. if that makes sense. Okay, Maybe. cool. Nice. Yeah. So I think in college, I had my math and physics background. I knew that I was interested in green things, but wasn't sure what. But I worked at uh, the AJLC, the Adam Joseph Lewis Center for Sustainable Design. And, and there, there was a living machine. So we had plants that were cleaning the water of the building, like oh. cleaning the wastewater and then making it like drinkable. You didn't drink it because that people felt weird about that, but it was clean enough to drink. Um, and that just kind of like sprung my interest in like green buildings. I was like, whoa, like we spent all this time inside. And like, there's a great stat, like you spend 90% of your time indoors. And I was like, whoa. So like, I, I think I got very interested in buildings from that. And so after that role, I worked for uh, Vernado Realty Trust as our product, as our sustainability coordinator. And that's a large real estate firm in New York. They, and I was on the sustainability team. So I was like helping them get more sustainable, which I had gotten because I did greenhouse gas emissions at Oberlin. So they were like, perfect. You can do greenhouse gas emissions. You can come in our company. So that was my main like step in. When I was there, it's very fascinating. It's very interesting to see the ways in which a corporate company reports on being sustainable. And a lot of that had to do with, especially because real estate, these green buildings and vacations. So we were doing, we're 100% lead silver, we're 90% lead gold. And that, that's great. And I was reporting on that, typing in. I was like, yeah, 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 totally. And then I was like, what is <laughs> lead silver? What is lead gold? Like, what does that <laughs> even mean? And so I transitioned to a role completing those certifications. So helping buildings that were interested in becoming lead silver, lead gold, I'd be the person being like, yes, you did it, or no, you did not do it. So that like helped me get an understanding of each of the individual steps that took for a building to get to those certification programs, which was super eye-opening in terms of what programs are good, what programs are less stringent, you know, which are the ones that are like, whoa, if you're doing that, you super are doing the thing you're saying you're doing. So that was really awesome and experience, but not something I want to do forever. I, I kind of hit a wall at a certain point where all, all I was doing was just repeating the same process. I was going the same with new buildings, just going through their, their lead process. And a lot of, you know, what they're focused on as naturally we are contracted to do just green buildings anything beyond the scope of that green building certification was not of interest. So very rarely do uh, uh, green building certifications talk about water usage. Water is like super important. We need water, we need fresh water and we need to be conserving it and reducing it and yada yada. And I would be like, hey, you know, you're in a place that has water scarcity. You should consider doing a living machine like we did at Oberlin and then like conserve, your, like reuse your water. And they'd be like, oh, does that give us any points? And I was like, no points. And like, well, now I'm interested. And I was like, oh, Okay, so kind of this like backup of like best practice versus what's actually in the building code or what's actually in the building certification programs, kind of something I was interested in finding out. And so in my search for a new role, I was looking for uh, some type of role that had like, we're, we're concerned with best practice. We're not concerned with getting points for something or for what, you know, qualifies. What is best? What can we be doing? What's the best thing possible? And so I was looking for, with all this Inflation Reduction Act funding, and I don't know the acronym for this one is, but BLIC, 
bipartisan oh bipartisan infrastructure something um Found it. What, yeah whatever it was um those like all these there's all this money for improving building codes improving buildings and writing climate action plans for cities and states so i was applying for roles like that i was like how can i be involved in planning for cities and states and buildings about you know what is the best green practice and i kind of landed here which was really awesome exciting that was, I can totally see the trajectory now, each incremental step getting you closer. And especially with the funding recently, there's yes. never a better time than to get into the action while it's happening at full bore pace. Full pace. Yeah, we have more <laughs> more money than we have to do with, which is so awesome, exciting and so rare. Like it's been awesome. It's perfect time to start changing the codes and improve best practices. So then for those who are excited listening to you and they say, actually, yeah, I want to get into that. What advice would you have? And first, starting with career exploration, when you are starting to think about, okay, these are my options. Any advice on that step? Totally. Um, I think I think it is, I think that I've learned in my time of being a professional and being post-college and being like out in the world <laughs> is like, if you have an interest in something, even if it seems like, oh, everyone's interested in that, I would say that's probably not the case and kind of tune into that. So me being very interested in, in this like plant system at the building, I thought everyone thought that was super rad and cool, <laughs> but apparently not, no one does. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna kind of like look into buildings as like my maybe focus for, because environmentalism is so huge. There's so many different ways to affect the environment and help out with this cause. So I think like, you know, pick a cause if you want to, maybe mm -hmm. I picked the environment and then it was kind of narrowing down. So I think slowly narrowing yourself down by taking a role that's generally related and then trying to think critically about like, what didn't you like about that? What was something that you were doing and you thought, I don't want to do more of that. It's like corporate sustainability, cool, interesting, but you know, not very impactful, only on this one company. And and I wanted to learn more details. And so I kind of was able to narrow down from that. I think knowing what you don't like is just as important as knowing what you do like. Definitely. And you did a great job in your story of really trying out different things, the critical thinking you did for yourself. So then in terms of before those roles, is there anything, any tips you would have for people still in college in ways to sort of learn about these industries without a formal job? Mm. Okay, good question. I think, well, I think there's definitely the process of talking to people at those roles. So I did a lot, when I got out of college, I did a lot of informational interviews, which I think everyone plugs these days and I really <laughs> get behind that there, it's huge. Cause you're not asking for anything and people are generally, like I was super willing to call talking about my job. Like I think most people are down to talk about what they do, uh, they yeah. like it. And so, um, I think it's a bit information interviews with people that you think maybe have an interesting job, maybe have an interesting role, a 30 minute call, it's a quick email, it's, a, it's an easy ask, and I think people will be down. And so I think I did like 30 or 40 when I got out of college, just talking to different people. I was at in meetings every week, just being like, hey, what do you do? How does that work? What do you, do you have more people I can talk to? And that was what I would ask. And in the call, I'd say, this is awesome. Thanks for talking to me. Anyone else you think I might be interested in talking to? And then it's like their friend. So then like, then you're getting recommended by their friend, which is like huge. Cause they're like, oh, I'll talk to this kid that you talk you're to, in. sure. Yeah, you're in. Um, so I'd recommend that. <laughs> and on those informational interviews, sort of that networking aspect, advice for, you did 40, so you're a professional level, if there's a certain oh, yeah. certification for that. Advice on sort of 
questions maybe learned were fruitful throughout the process that people might not think of or ways to approach it? What did you learn through those 40 interviews about how to get the most out of them? Mm, the great question. I think asking about people's path to the current role was always really fruitful. It was very interesting to hear what people would say about how they got to this role. Because, you know, you can ask most about the role, obviously, if that's important. And I think there's some good center questions about that. But I think that asking the path towards it might help you understand, is that a path I'm on to or something I'm interested in? Something else I found really fruitful was asking about what they found what they're most excited about in their role that was like a good like kind of opener question like okay like what are you working on now that excites you what what are you interested in it also kind of helps you understand like are we in the same wavelength like if they start talking about something you have like no interest in maybe <laughs> not the best person overall but you know a good question a good conversation nonetheless but kind of helps see where they're at um but that's definitely a good question i i, I can noodle some more on some questions that are uh, good questions yeah, no, that was a great answer. I like especially starting out with that positive. Uh, one, you kind of get them in a good mood. And then two, as you said, you can see if your values align. If that does that excite you too? Does that excite so you now, too? Any other final general career advice for your path or anything you found along the way? Mm. I think don't be afraid to try something. I think that like you can always quit a role. It's really, it's not a big deal and people will not be offended. <laughs> um, I just think that like, again like going back to like if you were interested in something and you would find it exciting I think that like that that is a telltale sign there's something there that interests you and if you think that you have no interest and you have no nothing that you're interested in at all I think then like find something that you find like for me at least I found something that morally was like good for me so I was like okay the environment's like a, a cause that I think needs help let me just get involved that was the very I had no interest when I was like first starting up college and anything and I was just like I don't know the environment sounds cool and so I just kind of picked that because it was like a good, I don't know, I was like, this one's good. Like, I will be proud of myself for working on this or something. So there's no shame in that. That's a great thing to choose. Like, just, yeah, go for it. Um, but yeah. That's great advice. If not passion per se, morality is a start and maybe it will kind of flower into something more. Exactly. Because <laughs> it became passion for me. I very quickly am now like, buildings are the best. Anyone have buildings? <laughs> he was converted. <laughs> yeah, I was converted big time. Well, thank you for that advice and for sharing about your path and current role. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much for reaching out.